Andy McNamara with you on Toronto Today, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. A lot to get to in just two hours. We're going NFL heavy today, folks. Get you set up part two in our fantasy football draft prep series. Yesterday, chatted with Rich Dotson from DynastyNerds.com. Today, go to Jake Seeley, senior fantasy writer for the Athletic FF Fantasy Football. Jake Seeley's been known on the Fantasy Network. Great guy. I've chatted with him a number of times on TSN 4 Downs over the years, and, and this guy knows his stuff. So today we're going to go over the running back and the wide receiver positions. Yesterday we did quarterback, tight end, and defense special teams. So we'll go over those positions. Some injuries. Rashad Penny for the Seattle Seahawks. Finger surgery. Okay. And how is that going to affect the Seahawks running back by committee? And there was a question with Penny how he was going to be able to handle the physicality of the NFL. A little bit of a banged-up guy, and I questioned coming out of the draft. I didn't know if this guy would be able to handle it. Does it still doesn't mean he can't, but he's got finger surgery. And guess who replaced him? Uh, Carson? Like, come on. The, the Seattle Seahawks, to me, are a team you stay away from when it comes to your fantasy football running back. So we'll talk about that with Jake Seeley. Then we'll get to some real-life NFL storylines with Will Selva from the NFL Network is the anchor on Good Morning Football. There does a great job. And I'm going to go over with Will about Jalen Ramsey and the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you guys haven't seen this, I'm not sure if there's actual audio of it, but the the quotes are there with Jalen Ramsey essentially running down quarterbacks throughout the league and calling them trash, they're bad. He is just talking pure Smack. So much so, Matt Stafford's wife from Detroit was coming out and burying him for being in GQ. Like, it got ugly. What is going on in Jacksonville with the return of Andrew Luck to the division, Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt healthy? Did the Jags even get back to the playoffs? As crazy as that sounded, if you looked at it a year ago. Can they get back with as good as this division is going to be? We'll go over that, the rookie quarterback situations, as well as can any Buddy in the AFC, stop the Patriots. Problems or not, losing players or not, can anybody step up and take down New England? That'll be at the Will Silva 1205. We'll talk Leafs, Raptors, a little bit of Blue Jays, swing around the Toronto sports world with Bruce Arthur, one of my favorite guys from the Toronto Star. That's at uh, 1205. And we'll get to our Twitter poll question as well. Before I get to today's, though, yesterday's poll question really struck a nerve with Toronto sports fans. And so much so, I love when you have this. You put out a tweet, and then after the show, the the Twitter feed, the thread, takes on a life of its own. Guys were blasting each other's opinion all night. They were going at it all night. It was our poll from yesterday at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMCD1 is, uh, would you take... P.K. Subban with the Maple Leafs. Could he, if you could acquire him, with the stipulation, we, we laid it all out yesterday. It was the Nashville Predators signed Ryan Ellis to a long-term extension. They have $25 million committed to defensemen. Roman Yossi's going to need an extension. That probably pops you up to 30 mil commit. It is a likely scenario somebody has to go. And at $9 million a year, maybe that's P.K. Subban. So, if the Leafs sent back Somebody, whether that's a William Nylander and draft picks, whatever the case might be. You have to work out the mathematics. Would you make the deal? And on the surface, you think, well, he's a great defenseman. Sure. The poll, 
A thousand votes, 50-50. Literally 50-50. Yes, he's the missing piece. No too many variables. And it got ugly. The last tweet in the thread that came at 12.30 a.m. this past morning, uh, a guy named uh, Rusty on a comment says, an absolute loser take to M.M. Markwell on disagreeing with him. I love that. Joe Narsa, our producer. Joe, people were getting snippy, like just called, just, I, I love when the Twitter conversations just de-evolved to like, that's a loser take, you suck. Yeah. Great. Me and you were talking before we put this poll up and we we're like, he's a polarizing guy and people that don't like him don't like him for reasons that are like just unnecessary. Yeah. He wears suits with weird hats. Brr. Okay. Well, he's yeah. still one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And if you were to look at the Maple Leafs and think to yourself and go, Matthews, Tavares, Subban... Anderson. It God. Is, imagine that core. That's cra- And the fact that the guy, however much stock you put in hockey analytics or underlying numbers, the guy controls play. Yeah. That's what you want. You want, Joe, how crazy is this? You want a guy to set up your best players. That's not a crazy thought at all. P.K. Subban is that guy. You want somebody who can feed Tavares, who can feed Matthews, who can drive it out of his zone. That's what well, you want. What I will say, though, is I was happy that... The base of the conversations and the comments were understood that this was not a hot take. We were right. just thinking aloud and looking at the way Nashville's built. And Travis Yost said it best yesterday. He goes, Nashville's one of the weirdest teams in the NHL mm-hmm. because of their salary structure and how it's kind of pinned towards their decor. And it's been like that for a little while, actually, since the cap was in existence because they've had great defensemen. There's going to be a lot to say for how much Roman Yossi's going to make. And if Subban's on that team and Yossi's better than him, he's probably starting at that number. And he's the captain. Yeah. So, so there's something to be said that that 25 mil jumps to 30 mil. Right. And if Subban is not on the roster and Yossi makes that type of money, then they're back to square one. They're back at $25 million, and that's a doable number. And the fact that the Leafs have, whereas the Predators have a slew of defensemen, they're deep there, the Leafs are deep with young wingers. I, and I'm just I'm using the name William Nylander. You can pick your guy, but you don't think the Preds could use a young scoring winger well, up front? That would help, especially with the fact that they know that they have their decor set up. Goaltending is a little bit of a question mark with Pecorino getting older, but they like UC Soros. He's a guy who's done a lot of good for them, and he's a great cap number at like one point something or two million dollars at the most. So they're not spending a lot of money in the places they don't need to. They no, have the ability. They're heavy on the back end, exactly. So at this point, if a player like this were to become available, it would be hard for the Maple Leafs not to want him. And if you were to take away the name or the clout or the stardom or the love of being in the media, which you should probably want your star players in Toronto to have. Would it not be nice to have someone else say something other than, well, one day at a time, it's a good, good Yeah, thing. 110%, good you know, it's like, just get pucks in deep. We criticize players for not speaking out. Then when they do, it's like, oh, he's too outspoken. He's not a team guy. And I'd love P.K. Subban here. Come on, P.K. Me too. And then the intangibles are his game. The ability, His abilities are what Toronto has been missing on the back end for a very long time. And, and he's still in his prime. He's 29. And Joe, that deal, which would have what? I think it was three years after this year, right? Yeah. Three controllable years. Yeah, absolutely. You have that... Defensemen are in their prime right then. You'll still have them at 32. That dude is going to be in his prime for a team in the Maple Leafs that is in win-now mode. And I think Leaf fans as well need to understand that not every player needs to be here for seven years. 
Thank you. Not every player needs yes. to be a Maple Leaf for life. Yeah. Go and win a title. Exactly. And there's no better league that shows that than in the NFL. You go to a team, you play for a year, you do your job, you leave. Like LeGarrette Blunt, for whatever people say about him, he's the type of player that you add, he helps you win. If he wins, he's happy, and then you know he's overvalued at that point. He leaves, and it's understandable. Well, remember Darrell Rivas. The guy was a the guy was his own corporation. He rented himself out. He would go and win or play well. Then he'd move on for the next biggest paycheck. Nothing wrong with that if he helps you win. And if Subban or a player as in the caliber of Subban can only be afforded by the Leafs for three years, well, you have three years of this amazing player that helps you on the back end. Make sure to take advantage of those years that you have that kind of fill the need that you're looking for. And then try and develop, because this would also give the Maple Leafs the ability to develop a defenseman for the future, because their core is long-term. And, Joe, you're going to be able then, if you bring in a P.K. Subban, everybody gets pushed down to a more comfortable spot where they should be rather than playing above their heads, and that helps with development. Absolutely. And the biggest problem for the Maple Leafs in the last few years, and to your point, is the mismatches. Morgan Riley is not built to play against Sidney Crosby. He's just not that number one type guy right now. Will he be? I don't know. I don't think so, but he could. Ron Hainsey shouldn't be in that situation 22 minutes a night. No, at that age? In his late 30s? No, you can push everybody down. You can ease in. Uh, For Travis Dermott, he looked great in the 37 games, but over a whole season, that just brings everything down. Our point being is that it can make sense... The numbers all have to line up. You get your accountants ready, right? But the numbers have to to line up with salaries going out and in. But there's a need. Nashville could use more scoring. Maple Leafs could use more defense. And both are deep in those areas. That's why it's such an interesting discussion. And, Joe, that's why it's easier. Like, if you talk to hockey reporters, hockey analysts, they they say, oh, yeah, of course you want P.K. Subban. But from the fan base and what we saw on Twitter in 1,000 votes was, People are really torn on this. I find a lot of the fan base perspective that's negative. They focus on P.K. Subban off the ice, and it's almost a spin job, and that's what I've never understood. Look at his numbers, man. So what? So he's a, a little flamboyant? Can the dude help me win games? Yeah? Sign me up. I agree. Let's go. And I look, and we used the example yesterday. He's a He's got a wide receiver's personality. Yeah. And wide receivers are talented, they're skilled, they're flamboyant, they're in your face, and they're game changers. But when they're not doing anything, you get frustrated by their confidence because, well, you're not doing anything right now. Yeah. P.K. Subban's confidence is what allows him to be one of the better defensemen in the NHL, and that same confidence is what allows him to be open and be himself when he's off the ice. That's when he's at his best. I got a great tweet in here, Joe, and the conversation as people are listening here on TSN 1050 Toronto today, are, uh, it's picking back up. That wasn't our intent, but it's picking back up. Uh, from at KBrown3194 says, Nylander is expendable with the amount of talent the Leafs have on the wings in their system. Secondly, the first round pick would probably be towards the back end of the first. And finally, uh, OEL has a cheaper cap hit than Subban, plus he's younger. So when you look at those points there, and that's what I, I, I was throwing in with Nylander. First-round pick, maybe, but they, you have to match up the salary to a certain point, too. But those first-round picks, yeah, they're later first rounds. You've done the building. You have to keep building, of course, 
but you've done the heavy lifting, you're not going to be a lottery team. So those picks become expendable. And then a team like Nashville has two first-round picks. Maybe they can use that to package that and trade up and get something else. That's why in part makes sense. Yeah, and just a counterpoint to Chris Brown's tweet, the OEL thing, you can't just go to this well of, oh, Oliver ekman Larson's cheaper and better. Okay, well, the Phoenix Coyotes signed their number one defenseman because they don't have a two, three, four, five, six defenseman. That is the number that is the only skilled star player on that team right now. He's not available. If he was available, he would have been available before that contract. Hey, he would have been available at the draft. And the response from at Greg Hodder Hodder twenty nine, that's horrible to his take. <laughs> that's what I love about Twitter. Just the instant trips and then it just becomes like an hours rabbit hole where you just get Get down. So, the, hey, feel free to keep weighing in on that conversation. PK Subban to the Leafs at AndyMC81 on Twitter at TSN1050Radio. And, Joe, what are you on Twitter at? At uh, Joe Narsa TSN. At Joe Narsa TSN. We do have a new poll question, though. NFL related. We're going NFL heavy today. Second week of the preseason kicks off tonight with three games. It is. Which NFL comeback story are you cheering for most this season? Which NFL comeback story is it? The Browns win a few games. Come on now. Cleveland Browns win a few games. Is that your comeback story? I think you know my vote. Is it Aaron Rodgers returning to action? And Aaron Rodgers comeback and retaking his throne as the best quarterback in the league, arguably. Deshaun Watson for a full year. Out of the Texans, remember, in that those few games, Deshaun Watson was lighting the league on fire. The non-contact knee injury, gonzo for the rest of the year. But he's back with J.J. Watt. Are you cheering to see what Deshaun Watson can do? Because he was so dynamic in such a short period of time. Or Jimmy G and Niners to the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo getting traded from the Patriots to return the 49ers to relevancy and challenge for a wild card spot. I think they can do it. We see what you can do with a quarterback. You get a quarterback in. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in to a terrible 49ers team last year. Horrendous. And they've improved, but he came in, won five straight games. Guy's undefeated as a starter. That's the difference a quarterback can make. And that's what I'm excited to see. Now, it'll be interesting to track his touchdown-to-interception ratio because it was 7-5 over that stretch. Now that teams have some more tape, can he be as effective? We're going to have to wait and see. But that's, that's a situation in a division that I think is totally up for grabs along with the Rams. That's going to be a fun division there. So what's your comeback story of the year? Is it the Browns win a few games? Is it Aaron Rodgers comes back? Deshaun Watson for the full year? Or Jimmy G and the Niners to the playoffs? We'll step aside and talk some fantasy football. One of the best in the business, Jake Seeley, senior writer of The Athletic FF, joins me next. Your fantasy football tips, if you got questions, tweet me at AndyMCD1 and at AllInKid. That's Jake's address. We're talking about wide receiver and running back rankings and sleepers. Stay tuned. Toronto Today rolls on next. Sad news to report. She was gravely ill earlier in the week and has passed away. The great Aretha Franklin, 76 years old. Still to come on the show today, we'll be talking with Will Silva from NFL Network. Does a great job as a morning host for um, Good Morning Football. Uh, that'll be at 12.25. Bruce Arthur at 12.05. To go around the Leafs, the Raptors, the Jays. There's a lot of little off-season for the Leafs and Raptors. And then, of course, the Jays, the Vladdy Tracker. We'll get into the Vladdy Tracker a little bit later on. 
we'll jump into that. Um, we'll try to connect with uh, Jake Seely from uh, uh, the Athletic FF in a little bit to go over our fantasy football rankings. In the meantime, we can get into that. We we're going to do running back and wide receiver. Yesterday, we talked to Rich Dotson. And Joe, when you look at what this year is about for the NFL and the running back position, in a way, it looks like the running back spot, which in past years has really been, boy, if you don't get those two or three bell cows, you're done. We saw the Alvin Kamara combo last year. We saw the Freeman-Coleman combo in Atlanta. It seems like if an offense is set up correctly, you can have two running backs and both can be fantasy relevant. You really can. I don't know. I to me, I feel like that was a one-off. I don't think there's a lot of situations where you can have complete stud running backs putting up 18 points to 20 points a week and yeah. both doing that. I mean, with Alvin Kamara now being the lead back for the first four games of the season, there could be a significant reason to stick with him if he's solid, and then not push him out of that goal line stand once Mark Ingram gets back because Ingram originally was supposed to be their power back and then he is elusive but it was a very special situation to me i like i would i wouldn't mind that situation i would say alvin kamara now is a lot of value higher up in the draft but i would say if you're going to get mark ingram that's the type of that's the type of running back you could stash because people might get afraid of the four games right and now he's not going to be your rb1 but you can have him you can have him there, and when he comes back, you can you can hide him a little bit. My number one, and Joe, I just sent you a new uh, number for Jake Seeley if you want to give him a, a try there. Um, Todd Gurley. I'm going Todd Gurley with the Rams. Like this guy, you look at different projections. Some have Le'Veon Bell, some have Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley with L.A. Like this guy with Jared Goff, it's the perfect scenario for Gurley to succeed because he got thrown the ball a lot last year. He's going to be throwing it more this year by reports. You still have a young quarterback. What's the young quarterback's best friend? A running back who can be on the field for all three downs. Gurley can pass protect. He can be a beast running, and he can also catch the ball. Todd Gurley proved last year that he has the ability to be a featured back, a number one back, and a star in the league. What's going to be interesting, though, is... People forget that the year before that, he struggled. He had... He did. Oh, yeah, he had to step back. And if it wasn't for Maurice Jones-Drew telling me and you to keep him, <laughs> I would have dubbed him. But I listened to the former star running back, and he I came out MJD. and he proved it. In this case, this year might be a little bit scary because defenses are now going to focus on him. And But then, Joe, you still have Jared Goff, who demonstrated he can step up and play as a true starter in the league, so you don't... He doesn't have to throw 400 yards. I'm not saying he could even throw 400 yards, but he's not just a game manager type. So even if they do start focusing on Gurley, you can swing him out as part of the passing game, right? That's what you can also do, and that's the benefit of Gurley. Because if you look at him from last year, he had 64 catches with six touchdowns. On the ground, 1,305 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns. That's a monster. If you were to say right now, is he the number one running back in your projections? I'd say for me, yes. Personally, I'm Todd Gurley is my number one. Now, are we right forgetting now. about Ezekiel Elliott because uh, of the no. suspension and the issue last year, missing six games? So, I mean, he could Zeke could be the the running back this year that breaks out. That you you don't get late. Don't get me wrong. You're not getting Ezekiel Elliott late, no, but he's the guy you could get after Gurley, Bell, 
and Johnson, and then he's a stud, and he's better than all three. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. For, for Zeke Kelly, he can be there. And really because in Dallas, what do you have at wide receiver? What do you have? you got Dak Prescott, who can be elusive with his legs, of course, right? And then you got Zeke. Like, this is a big year. And the great thing with Ezekiel Elliott this season is you don't have the distraction. You don't have the off-field distractions that you did a year ago where he missed six games, right? Still had almost 1,000 rushing yards for seven touchdowns. Also caught two more touchdowns for an additional 269. So a full year of Zeke Elliott pops him right up there to me. Right up there to me. And again, when you have to look, when you're looking at, at running backs, you have to look at, okay, how's the offense built? Who are the other weapons? Well, if you go to the Dallas Cowboys, I would argue their top wide receiver is the five foot eight Cole Beasley. Nice story. Sorry if I'm not relying on Cole Beasley for my whole year. At 29 years old, smaller wide receiver, he's one pop away from being in concussion protocol. They bring in Alan Hearns. I like that. But Alan Hearns is somebody who is still ascending as a talent. Terrence Williams flashed but didn't wow anybody. The point is, you have enough sprinkled around that teams at some point are going to have to respect the receivers. You can't necessarily stack the box the whole time. But enough question marks where Zeke Elliott can still be the main guy. He can still be the main dude, right? So... That's my, I got Gurley. If I'm ranking it, I'm going to go Gurley. I'll go Zeke. Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson and Alvin Kamara falling right into the next bunch. And Le'Veon Bell, it is so close, man. Like, he started slow last year because he was held out of training camp. So first couple games. But then he came on like a house on fire. So uh, let's welcome in now. Jake Seeley, senior writer for The Athletic FF Fantasy Football, one of the greatest fantasy minds I've ever talked to. Heck of a baseball fantasy guy, too. Jake, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Andy? Doing well, brother. Doing well. Uh, real quick, how's your, your baseball fantasy season going? Because you were, what was it? I believe it was two years running at least, the top like baseball fantasy ranker in the world or something, right? Yeah, it was, it was two years in a row. Uh, I don't play as many baseball leagues as I used to, mostly just a big one like Count Lamer. Uh, it's the tell of two stories. I'm second to last in labor, but I'm in first in tout. So it's just one of those. <laughs> there you go. And you, you can retire on top. It's all good. Uh, right. Jake, let's get to, we're going through some running backs. So let's swing over to the wide receivers for a moment here. And we started our rankings and fantasy draft research, getting ready, the prep work for it. Wide receiver. Give me your top three wide receivers, and then we'll get into a sleeper after that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people are going Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham. I am not. I actually have Odell Beckham fourth, and not just because he blocked me on Twitter, but oh. because. <laughs> Did he? How come? Yeah. Because uh, I think he misunderstood a joke I was making about the corners after that whole boat fiasco. Like, uh. I, I thought that. I thought the media coverage of the boat fiasco was stupid, and so I was making a joke. I said the corners would definitely be playing better if it wasn't for the boat. <laughs> Obviously being tongue-in-cheek, saying, you know, it has nothing to do with it. And I guess he just blocked everybody that put oh. something about the boat and the Giants. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've been blocked by Odell ever since. But in any case, 
No, I have, I have Julio number two. I, I actually oh. know Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I can see a case for Hopkins maybe in non-PPR versus PPR to be number two. But either way, I think Julio Jones is getting way too much disrespect because 1,400 yards for three straight years in a row, we know you're not going to catch 1,400 yards and only three touchdowns again this year. There's just, there's just It's almost impossible to have that happen. Right, right. And, and, and yeah, for Julio, that was really the knock with the lack of touchdowns that was so frustrating for him at that point. But hey, you know what? For it seems to me like he's always always a little banged up. There's always a toe, there's always an elbow, <laughs> there's always some but then come game time, he always plays and he always puts up a hundred plus yards, right? Hey, that's the thing is you know, you do have to kind of be a little bit concerned, but somehow he gets through it every single week, uh, whether or not he's got the foot issue or not. And I know a lot of people are gonna say, Well, imagine Hopkins with a full season you know, get your home Watson and all that nonsense. But you know, I'm excited for it too. But we all know this. NFL players will tell you this. Analysts will tell you this. Everybody will tell you this. The second year for a quarterback is the toughest year mm-hmm. in the NFL. So I'm excited as anybody else, but let's temper the expectations just a little of what happened last year. What do you make of Tyreek Hill in Kansas City? Because his production, of course, was under Alex Smith. Alex Smith now with Washington. You got Pat Mahomes, who played in a game. But he essentially he watched for a year. But you're getting a rookie quarterback, and that scares me a little bit when you see, one, Tyreek Hill's breakout season. Can he do it again? And then on top of that, a whole new quarterback. Where are you with Tyreek Hill? I'm lower than most uh, as a probably more of a mid to lower wide receiver, too, because two things you brought up. So, and then one of it is the fact that all of his touchdowns came from outside the 20 yard line. Like, they, he didn't score any red zone touchdowns. Hmm. So, so you have to take that into account just what kind of plays. And, yes, there are people who counter-argue and say how explosive he is, but at the same time, if you're not a red zone wide receiver, to bank on that kind of touchdown success, again, is a little bit dicey. So that concerns me a little bit just for him to be carrying over that kind of touchdown rate without being in the red zone. The second part of it is, as you said, with Patrick Mahomes, and it's not even Patrick Mahomes inaccuracies, mechanical issues. I love the talent. Andy Reid is somebody who could get the best out of him. It's Patrick Mahomes doesn't. We don't know who he has the best rapport with. We don't know who he Great likes point. the most. They just brought in a wide receiver where if you just told me side by side, here's Sammy Watkins, here's Tyreek Hill, who's the more talented wide receiver? It is Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. Now he hasn't been able to put it all together yet. But what if there's more rapport with Mahomes and Watkins, and he ends up being the person that he goes to more often, especially in the red zone? We just don't know yet, and I think that. That's a consideration you have to take of why you don't put Tyree Kill inside that top 15, top 12 conversation because if that happens, yes, it might be Tyree Kill, but if it's not, you're looking at a possible bust of the year. Jake, that's such a great point with the comfortableness of a quarterback to a receiving core, and that's why when you see a starter go down, the backup typically, at least at first, has comfort levels with the, the WR three, four, five guys because that's right. who they're they're working with in practice. So that's something to keep in mind. Devonte Adams, he seems poised to real. Now he had a good year last year, but really bust out with the return of Aaron Rodgers. Is he in that tier right underneath those first three or four that you mentioned? Yeah, he is for me, and I was somebody that was, you know, pounding a table, all those cliches that people <laughs> want to throw out last year for him. And, yeah, I've been Devontae Adams and said that, you know, look at two years ago, everybody's complaining about the hands, and he finally worked on it and figured it out, and nobody wanted to jump on board. I think they were just too ticked off of what happened and the excitement from the year that, you know, they lost Nelson, and all of a sudden Adams was going in the third round, and people got disappointed because he didn't produce that year. And I think it's one of those things that I like to do is target last year's trash, is, 
the people that the owners got kicked off at, and now you're getting them at discounts because they didn't produce. So you look at Adams, as I said, as he's starting to really break through and come to his own. And if you look at the yards, still really haven't been there for what the production is. And that's a good part to do with the fact that Aaron Rodgers missed half the season last year. And I get a full Aaron Rodgers season as the number one, as somebody who already had no problems catching touchdowns from him and anybody else on that team. Uh, He could honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the year he is pushing that top tier and kind of getting close to the, the Odo Beckers of the world. Because, Jake, the other part for fantasy players to realize and keep in mind is who are the receivers after a guy? So for Devontae Adams, you lose Jordy Nelson, who was one of Rodgers' favorite targets. Randall Cobb, right now in his career, he gets banged up a lot, and he's a chain mover. After that, what, Geronimo Allison? Like, Jimmy Graham's going to be a threat, but he's the tight end. As a receiver, he's going to be the X for uh, Aaron Rodgers. And, hey, Rodgers is that good, even if you cover Adams real well, he's still going to get his yards. Yeah, he definitely is. And if you're looking at somebody right now, I'd roll the dice and draw on Allison and wait and grasp. But depending on what draft you're in and who you're drafting with, there's somebody that's buying into the hype a little bit too much and taking them in the eighth, ninth, 10th round at some times. The eighth is pretty dang on aggressive. But I've seen it happen before because somebody's buying into the fact that, well, Randall Cobb, had a boot on two weeks ago, and, you know, he's done. And I don't think, you know, watch Toronto Allison be the number two. I understand the excitement. If Aaron Rodgers plays 16 games, as he does most of his career until last year, and he's out there throwing for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns or more, the number two wide receiver is going to be supremely valuable. I just don't know if it's going to be Toronto Allison for the entire season. I like Jamal Moore. I think that he could be a threat, at least in the deep game, and then the touchdown upside there. If Allison locks it down, yeah, we could talk about it. But we're also, again, you're, you're kind of counting. If you're going to draft Allison in the middle round, you're kind of counting on Randall Cobb to be completely done at this point in spirit. Right, right. And uh, one more on the wide receiver here, Jake. A sleeper we could look out for that you like. Uh, you know what? He's kind of well-known, and it's surprising the team that he's on that he's not going higher than he should be because it's not really technically a sleeper as an eye. I'm in the 14th round, but Chris Hogan should hmm. not be going in the middle rounds. And I say he shouldn't be going in the middle rounds because he should be going inside the top 20, 22 or so wide receivers because people forget. Like, this is another one. It's last year's trash in a different way. If he got hurt, people forgot and just dismissed him and throwing him to the side. Everybody was super excited for Chris Hogan with the Patriots last year. What did he do? He comes out, and through the first eight weeks, he was a top eight wide, top eight wide receiver in both formats even including a miserable week one where he basically did nothing. And then he gets hurt and misses the rest of the season, except for the one game at the end of the year. And people forgot about how good he was. He was everything people wanted him to be and more. Mm. And he's the number one with Edelman suspended for the first four weeks. And really Gronkowski and a hodgepodge mess of wide receivers that they're going to try and throw out there. So why Chris Hogan is going in the middle round, his wide receiver at 30, 35 off the board, is beyond me. So he's not your typical sleeper. like, oh, I've never heard that name before. But he is wildly underrated right now. That's great insight. In conversation from Jake Seeley, senior writer with the Athletic FF Fantasy Football on Twitter at All In Kid. Let's swing over to the running backs here, Jake. And we were talking earlier. Uh, we had Todd Gurley's my top running back in my rankings. So I had Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, then Le'Veon Bell. Who are your top three? And then we'll get into kind of that next tier in a sleeper uh, before we go. Yeah, it's, I'm not going to get too caught up in the top 
four because I think they're all great. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, it's Le'Veon Bell, and then it's Tom Gurley, and then it's David Johnson. But if you want to take Zeke because you think he's safer, I'm not going to argue with you. If you want to take David Johnson first because you love what his potential is, I'm not going to argue with you. They're just so tightly grouped, I feel like it's almost your preference this year, just who you really prefer. Right, and the thing is with, with David Johnson as well, if you have... If a running back misses the year with uh, an ACL or something, typically you see ACL, something like that. It can take a, a, a player at any position a full year to really get back to where they were. That wasn't the case with David Johnson. It was upper body, and I don't think there's any reason, Jake, why he can't just come in and take over right where he left off, especially when you have uh, an often injured Sam Bradford and a rookie behind him in Josh Rosen. Like They're going to be leaning on David Johnson. Oh, 100%. And, you know, the, the ability that he has when he says he wants to be a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver, he has that, – that, 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 that's not a joke. I mean, honestly, I would kind of almost expect more of a 1,500-yard rushing to go with a 1,000 yards receiving. And, you know, maybe that doesn't happen. But if he ends up with the 16, 15, 1,600 rushing and 700 receiving, oh. and we're talking about 25 to 120 total Ooh. yards for that 100% needs him to be that. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And finally, Jake, give me a sleeper running back. Is there anybody maybe in the rookie class that is piquing your interest or anybody who uh, is a bit under the radar that might be of value? <laughs> well, the rookie class keeps going down by the week. They just, <laughs> but I will tell you this. So now he's going to turn into a value. And he still was a value for me, and I was a rookie as Rashad Penny, who I was campaigning to take in the third round before this injury because talent wins out, in my opinion. And this, people have this revisionist history remembering Chris Carson was so amazing. No, he had one good game out of four. The rest of the Seahawks' backfield was just miserable. So it's like, it's the shiny turd versus the, the straight turd. I mean, that's just really what it was. But now with the broken finger, you know, maybe he starts the year slow, isn't even possibly ready for week one. He's going to fall into the seventh, eighth round now. And now you're getting a supreme value. He is a draft and stash because it's going to take him some time to overcome Carson now. But I think that's why he's appealing, and that's why he's now turned into a quote-unquote sleeper. Jake, always love the insight. Where can people find your work and, and get up to date on all the fantasy news getting uh, leading up to this NFL regular season? It's actually really simple. It's theathletic.com, and there's a fantasy tab for it. And the best part is now instead of just signing up for my stuff or a draft kit or whatever, you get the entire athletic. You get the, you know, the Ken Rosenthal's in baseball and all nice. these other people that are like my coworkers now. Or you could just follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Olinkin, and you know how I do I tweet out everything anyway, so yeah. you can always just check the link. Jake, a pleasure as always, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. All right, see you, brother. Jake Seely, senior writer for The Athletic FF, and as you heard on Twitter, at all in kid if you missed any of those tips i'll retweet it out at andy mc 81 on twitter a little bit later for that interview must listen to right there we're going to step aside and uh, after the break the winner of sound wars the announcement we will announce who won we'll also hear from johnny manzel in concussion protocol with the montreal alouettes but he still found time to speak on his barstool podcast we'll hear from johnny sound Wars still to come bruce arthur of the toronto start at the top of the hour stay tuned toronto today on tsn 1050 the greatest moments in history are now up to you. This is TSN 1050's Sound Wars. It is 11.46 here on TSN 1050 Toronto Today. I'm Andy McNamara. Well, it is all coming to an end, ladies and gentlemen, for the bracket-style competition. We went through 
endless sound clips, and we've gotten down to the final. Now, it is the winner, the announcement of the winner for the ultimate championship Sound Wars battle between They Did It Mailer and Mac Jameson. The winner is... The first pick goes to... The Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs. The Leafs. They did it, Naylor. There you go. They did it, Naylor. Did it again. The defending champ holds off Mac Jamison. Thank you to everyone who went to tsn1050.ca to vote for their ultimate champion. They did it, Naylor. Did it. Keep listening all year long for more Sound Wars worthy moments right here on TSN 1050. And that's the end of Sound Wars for another year. Can't believe it's over already. Let's go to the CFL here for a moment. And Johnny Manziel. Now, Johnny, the first week, horrendous. And his first game was two weeks ago. Four interceptions, no touchdowns. Last week, no interceptions, also no touchdowns. It threw the air, but got absolutely smushed, smoked, just destroyed on the goal line, trying to push his way in for the touchdown. You look at the video. His body went limp, went out to the sideline, was checked out. Alouettes did their due diligence. They went through all the proper concussion protocol. Johnny went back in, didn't quite seem like the same guy. Then all of a sudden, word comes out, okay, he missed practice one day. He missed practice a second day, and now he is in concussion protocol. Well, Johnny Manziel was feeling up to speaking on his Barstool podcast, the Comeback Season podcast, and uh, spoke about how he's feeling. You know, just some headaches and what, you know, I've kind of been told is look, there was like a delayed onset concussion, I guess. That's where I'm dealing with some problems with my, my head a little bit. But, um, yeah, that's the hardest part is not being there at practice, not being around the guys and, and having to be away for a couple of days because, you know, I felt like we were getting into a rhythm and getting into a groove and, and the hardest part is stopping that right now. But, um, you know, started probably feeling a little worse as this week started to go on and, you know, hopefully the next few days it'll it'll you know look a little bit better. So that's Johnny Manziel. Yeah, that off the the couple days later, we've seen those those symptoms creep up, and those are ones you have to be aware of. And after he took that hit and got up to play, I was thinking, man, this guy's going to be hurt. We talked about it on CFL Weekly. You can catch that every Tuesday right here on TSN 1050 at 7 p.m. I host that show, and for for Johnny Manziel. What a disappointment. Starting to, I won't call it momentum, but getting into the groove of playing and it sets him back. And it is eerily similar to what happened to Johnny in the NFL when he played for the Browns. First game was a debacle against Cincinnati. Second game was improved. And before you know it, he went too hard and got concussed and missed time. Breaks up the flow. Breaks up the rhythm. Then you have to go back, not start fully again, but it it hinders your development. And what Johnny has not learned from his NFL days, and maybe he will learn now, is he's not the biggest guy. You cannot run head-on into tough-tackling big dudes. The CFL players that linemen, they're still large. They're large gentlemen. And they will squish you. And they did that to Johnny. And Johnny got the concussion, and he really needs it for his own longevity. Look at Russell Wilson. He's not big. He's 5'10". What does Russell Wilson do? Why does Russell Wilson keep playing and not get hurt? Because he protects himself. Doesn't mean he's cautious. He runs out of bounds. He slides. He takes chances, but then puts his body in a position to not get hurt. 
Johnny Manziel has not learned to do that. Why are you going headlong in? It's no wonder that would happen. It's no wonder. And the Alouettes play Edmonton. Boy, if you're uh, going to be betting pro line this week, folks, I would bet uh, bet heavy on the Eskimos. Johnny's not going to play. That's going to get real ugly in Edmonton. And hopefully for Johnny, it's one week and he can get back at it after that. Um, and actually, the, they'll be hosting the Argonauts on Friday, August 24th. So we'll see if Johnny gets back at that point. But the, with the concussions, you never know, right? You never know. It's tough. Dave Naylor, our TSN CFL insider, spoke on what Manziel's concussion protocol really means. This is the standard concussion protocol that all CFL players who are either suspected of having a concussion or diagnosed with a concussion would go under. And essentially, you know, if he came back and felt good and, and passed in terms of having symptoms, he might be allowed to practice. Then they would move to more vigorous exercise. But I think it's safe to say where we are right now, it's highly unlikely that Johnny Manziel will be playing for the Montreal Alouettes Saturday in Edmonton. Yeah, and that's... He's not playing this week, folks. If if you if he had those symptoms right away and was dealt with, maybe. But they're going to play it extra cautious here with Johnny Menzel, and that's a disappointment because really for that Alouette team, that's the only reason you would tune in for to watch the Montreal Alouettes specifically. Now you can tune in Saturday at 9 p.m. on TSN to see Mike Riley, the reigning MOP, with the Edmonton Eskimos ball out, and it was off. Oh, they didn't play each other that long ago either. That was. That was the game that Johnny was supposed to play in, right? I think that was it, where he was supposed to play, and then it was the hose job by the Alouettes and the head coach not to play him. Edmonton beat him 44-23. It's going to be at least that. Edmonton's going to put up a 40-burger. And we'll have to, to track for Johnny Manziel. Hopefully gets back on the field, because the CFL is a lot more fun with that Johnny Manziel conversation and him developing along the way. It's a great storyline. Hopefully he gets... He gets back. Argonauts in action, by the way. Saturday afternoon. You can catch it here on TSN 1050. BC Lions come to town. Ken McLeod, Bethel, Thompson do an encore after that second half comeback. Now, remember, they had the bye, so they're coming out with not really the momentum of a a carryover, but another week of him under center as the star. That's going to be a real fascinating matchup. Uh, We're going to step aside. Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star. We'll talk some Leafs, Raptors, and Jays with Bruce at the top of the hour here on TSN 1050.